Thanks for tuning in to the World XP Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please drop us up, drop a like, and let us know your thoughts below in the comments. Also, please consider supporting our podcast via the link below. It really helps us out. Now, a word from our sponsors. Will, he's back. He's back for round two, world traveling. Will, we talked about your Europe stuff for so long, we didn't even get to New Zealand. So uh, this is New Zealand time. How you been, man? New Zealand time. Yeah, I've been good. I've been good. Not as good as you, I think, because you have a lot of big things going on in your life. Congrats on the uh, still on weird the, making it official. But yeah, it's been a bit. Last time we got cut a little bit short for sure. Um, I guess it was kind of two natural segments anyway, so probably for the best because I did come back to the states for a bit after I did that Europe portion and. Basically, as soon as I got back, I was immediately struck by um, a lot of feelings. You know, I, I love the States for many reasons, but I guess coming back from the first time really being somewhere else and really kind of uh, getting used to different cultures and, and different ways of living, coming back to the American way, I just don't think I was ready yet to yeah. to really embrace that again. So pretty much immediately I felt like I needed to get out and I had met some people from New Zealand on the Camino and they had told me a million great things about it and they were some of like the friendliest, funniest guys um, that I've met. So I decided to, you know, look around. There was a year-long visa that I could get. It's like a worker's holiday visa. So basically you just apply. I got it back within like a couple days and then I booked a flight for two weeks later to just like go, go to New Zealand without much knowledge. So for those listening that didn't listen to the first episode with Will, you were, give us, give some like 30 second summary of the Europe trip, specifically the Camino. Cause that's the part where I think we spent the most time on that. Yeah, absolutely. Basically, graduated college and didn't know what I wanted to do. And a friend offered me uh, to do like a 10-day trip. And I had a few friends over there. So I went over one way and enjoyed it so much. I ended up going to, you know, over 10 countries and ended up doing a Camino, the walk from it's like a 500 to 600 mile, all said and done, walk from France to the ocean, Spain. And it was just kind of like a no planning, just whatever happened, do next type deal, which is not something I'd ever really done before. Because I guess, you know, with school and everything, we just, everything's always planned. Here's what you're going to do this summer, the next year. And it was nice to be like, all right, like, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow, but if I feel like doing it, I'll do it. So that's kind of what happened over, you know, half about a half a year. All right. So then you came back, like you said, went off to New Zealand. When you so now this is round two for you at that point, getting a one way flight. The first time I think when we had talked, or even when we talked just in between podcasts and whatever, like how did you do that mentally? Not having, I'm very that is not something that I would do. <laughs> so, yeah, was round, was round two easier? Round two was even less planned. Um, I guess it's kind of like, it was almost like a test. Like everything was theoretical. Like I've always felt like I can do things and I'm capable of it. 
and I've always wanted to see some different parts of the world and I, you know, and I guess it was also kind of hard to frame because like this was a couple of years back where like now I, especially over the pandemic, I see a lot of stuff where like every reel I ever see is like, here's tricks, how to get to Norway or like, here's my travel blog. And like, I just feel like it's much more prevalent where before, like, especially when my friend Fred is an example, when we went to uh, Europe, I didn't know anything about it. Like I, you know, I'd seen some movies with some travelers like Indiana Jones and stuff. And, <laughs> and there were still friends that I knew and, and, and DC is a super international place. So a lot of our friends, you know, were, were from all over, but I think it was always a bit different. Like you yourself going to go do something without it being like a study abroad or like a specific job lined up. Um, but I always just wanted to do like the, go over and figure it out, like see what happens, kind of wander. I guess it was kind of like a romanticized idea in my head. So when I bought the plane ticket to New Zealand, I didn't really know much about it. I knew where it was physically. A lot of people I talked to think this in Europe, but for those who don't know, it's by Australia. Oh my God. Um, about the exact opposite side of the world. So there's something cool about like going to the furthest spot away on this planet that you can really get to. Um, and I heard that nature was crazy and it has all of the things. So when I actually got to New Zealand, they have two hours of uh, free Wi-Fi in the airport. And I realized I kind of had like not a full-fledged panic attack, but I was like, wait, I'm here. <laughs> this happened really fast. And I spent the two hours of Wi-Fi just looking up facts about New Zealand. <laughs> like, what is the currency here? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> stuff like that. So um, yeah, I guess it, it was more like once I got there, it was like, wow, I, I need to figure this out as opposed to planning ahead. What you know, I didn't have any idea going into it, what I was actually getting myself into. So what did you actually end up doing? Because it's been it's been a few. When did you get back? 2020, 2019? It's been a few years. Yeah. So what did you actually do there? Because I remember you had a van, didn't you, at one point? Yeah, I bought a van with a guy that I met. Um, he was like a friend who we kind of, I guess we played enough ping pong and had enough, you know, adventures around Auckland that we we're like, let's build a van and let's do this. Um, he was from Denmark and we built up the van and within like a month. So the van actually was real interesting. We, uh, we didn't know how to do it. Uh, we all had, like both of us had very little money. So there was this like free, uh, it was called the men's shed and it's like a free for the community, uh, access for, for people to like use all the power tools and stuff. But because it was only open three hours a day, like twice a week or three times a week, I believe, uh, we would sleep in the car, like with tools or not tools, but like the lumber and, and materials that we had, uh, gathered. And then we would work as hard as we could. And it's all like 60 year old, you know, expat British dudes that were like making a birdhouse. And we were furiously trying to like make our van as quickly as we could. Uh, it took us way longer than we thought. It took almost a month to do. And I think that kind of wore him down because we went our first trip in the van. We went to like one of the prettiest parts of New Zealand. It's this peninsula that you go up and around. There's, this thing called hot water beach where it's it's natural hot springs coming out of the beach so like you just dig a hole and then you have a, a natural jacuzzi on this like beautiful pacific beach like it's just one of those crazy things 
And afterwards he was like, yeah, I, I'm tired. I got to go home. (laughs) 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 And it was unfortunate because I, I just don't think he realized like what traveling with that amount of like resources really was going to be like, um, nicest dude in the world. But I, I think it was kind of like, a. He wanted to go, he wanted to travel, he wanted to do the thing. So we got there and we were really tired. We were smelly, <laughs> we were hungry. And, you know, he kind of tapped out, which unfortunately, since we bought the van together, we had to sell the van because I couldn't buy out his house or his half because I didn't have the money to do it. So mm. we had to sell it. And then I bought a CRV, 1998 CRV. And I basically just would put down the back seats and, and sleep in that for the rest of the year. That's wild. <laughs> it it was... right, so <laughs> I just, I'm trying to remember the first conversation. I don't remember anything that I asked. <laughs> I, didn't, oh, yeah. I don't. So I guess when you get there, right. And you're just like, cause the thing is, there's nothing, there's not really anything to ask from the standpoint of most of the time when I do these, I have some semblance of this is a thing that I would be curious about, but to just drop myself into another country and sleep in the back of a car that I bought is not an experience that I have desired (laughs) or thought about. So I get, okay, so you get the car, and then at this point, are you just exploring, basically? Because you went, did you, were you bartending at some point on the island or no? So, no, did I you work I, at all. I worked a good bit, actually, yeah. Um, so that visa that I applied for basically allowed me to get any sort of job that was a non-salary-based uh, job. So I couldn't do anything by yearly basis because they didn't want me to just stay longer than my one year I was allowed to. So I could work basically any hourly job that was offered to me, but because I was the foreign person, the out of, you know, I was not from the area, uh, I ended up only being kind of given the jobs that were given to people who, you know, it was kind of the bottom of the barrel. So sometimes, you know, I would be in a bar and I'd be looking for work and they'd have like a job board or I'd just ask the bartender or whatever. And, um, Sometimes I'd work for just a couple of days. Sometimes I'd work for a week. And I kind of was just, unfortunately, I should have saved a little bit more, but I was always kind of like bouncing towards the bottom. There's a couple of times I had like under $10 to my name, which was more stressful than I thought it was going to be. Like it obviously sounds stressful, but there was times like, ooh. So then you make some money and then you're like, oh, I have $300 now. <laughs> and so it just allows you to hop from, from town to town. I did a lot of like, day jobs um i worked i offloaded tuna off of a cargo ship in in the south island so that was like an eight day 12 hour shift 12 on 12 off 12 on 12 off for eight days until the ship was fully unloaded and that was just they gave us a pickaxe they gave us a rubber suit and then we had to like they would try thawing each bay and the bay would be like three stories tall you'd have to like wedge these tuna fish pick them up and put them in this huge burlap sap like they're big ones know. aren't they as well the full fish the full fish they're not like the bluefin they're not huge huge but they're like you know probably three four feet long sometimes five feet for the real big ones and 
you know, up to a hundred pounds. So getting that up, like the sacks would be sometimes as tall as I was. So getting that up and over, um, it was a good workout, but the hardest thing was just everything was slimy, slippery, cold, and day after day. And it smelled um, like shit. Smelled like shit. We had one guy who, uh, who because the later on it would get, the more thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I threw the fish over the top. It slid off, landed on the other guy's foot. Um, what ended up happening is a bit of bone from the fish was thawed enough that uh-huh. it went the guy's foot. Jesus and Christ. When we brought him up, like he started to be in a lot of pain. He took his boot off and he started to get black skin around the mark and be helicoptered out. And they said he, they almost had to like amputate his foot, which is oh nuts. Oh my God. So, That's bonkers. Was the craziest was that the craziest one that you did probably? No, the tree planting was the craziest. All right, let's go go through that one. So tree planting to me, like I definitely am more, I guess, into environmental, you know, all the all the things, right? And I guess it sounded a lot more uh, positive, <laughs> ideal, whatever the word is, than it ended up being. Uh, so basically you have this little cage strapped to your body and the back of the cage holds a box that has a hundred saplings in it and you get paid per tree. So uh, it's kind of one of those things where like you don't get paid a lot in general. It ended up being about like 13 to 15 cents US dollars wise per tree. So a box of 25 (laughs) was or a box of 100 was like $13 to $15. So if you want to hit $100 on the day, you have to plant roughly a 1,000 trees. So it was busting, you know, busting your butt, and you had to, they would park at the bottom or top of these hills, and you would have to stage your boxes accordingly. So, I mean, like, we've all been hiking, right? But hiking, they, you do all the switchbacks and stuff, this would just be like a side of a mountain and you would have to walk straight down it with, you know, as many boxes as you could physically carry and then, or up it, depending on where they were. And you would have to stage the boxes and you'd be walking, walking and planting and you have to do like a certain amount. Some of the times it was so steep, you felt like you were going to like, you know, fall off the side or you would slide down a little bit. And they had to be a certain spacing, like four meters by two meters because when they grew up, they had like vertically, they had to have a certain spacing. So they would come by with a stick. And if the stick didn't measure your eyeball, then you can count those trees. <laughs> <laughs> Even though the tree was planted. Yeah, you would plant the trees, get paid nothing for it. So, and it was just, it was like 10, 12 hour days, sometimes two hours commute either way. So it would be like a 16 hour day. You're just, absolutely muddy you go to sleep wake up the next day right back to it and it's new zealand so you get rained on it was like the winter months that i was there so you'd be out in the open mud everywhere you know up to your knees in mud sometimes and you're just getting rained on multiple times a day and yeah it was just it was nothing like i really expected in a lot of places they have like pretty solid health and safety codes new zealand is old school in a lot of ways, which can be cool, but like health and safety is definitely lacking there. <laughs> um, they don't clear their trees. Like from before, if they go through an area and they cut it, 
uh, all the trees, you know, they'll try to get as much as they can, but there's some that for whatever reason aren't the right width or whatever reason they, they're there. Most places will drag everything out for planting purposes because they only just leave it there. So when you're height, like when you're on the side of a cliff, it could be raining and you have to like step through cross fallen trees. And because they've been there for a couple of years, they're just so slick. There's no bark left on them. So like, I've hiked a million times before, and I can't say I've really fallen much in my life. I would fall 20 times a day, 10, 20 times a day. And sometimes these falls aren't just like a little slip, like, you know, your, your ankles planting, you're twisting, you're falling. Like, it's, it was some pretty sketchy stuff, which I wasn't really expecting, but it was, it was a weird culture, too. Like, a lot what of people mean? were so proud of what they did because – some areas were really like they didn't have an opportunity for for much like economic gain it was just kind of a poor area um so this was kind of like the for people who weren't didn't have that original chance or sometimes the people who had a chance and blew it like the the people i was with were i would say a lot of them uh, i found out later our crew specifically had been convicted of some sort of crime and my um my whatever you want to call it, company that I was working for, which is kind of known for like, you know, giving second chances to a lot of people who may have made like a mistake at some point down the line, which is really great. So like a lot of times they would be like super proud of what they were doing and they could provide for their families in ways that like they hadn't historically been able to. But I mean, there was like tree planting songs and there was like a big culture behind it and like, I don't know. I would see their Facebooks and stuff and I'd like add them on Facebook and everyone from their town was like saying how proud they were that they were like on the tree planting like squad. So it was, it was different. It was very different. I can't imagine taking a bunch of young people from Northern Virginia and making them plant trees and then being very proud of that, to be honest. Yeah, probably not. And, and even if they are maybe not having the full support of the community, mm-hmm. Because that was kind of the interesting deal. Was so when you were doing it was like where they lived. You said it was like a two-hour commute, but was was there like a village where they all lived, or was it all like where people just wherever? A little bit of both. Um, I guess it's kind of like so. The north part of the North Island is called Northland, <laughs> and they. Um, it's kind of, I would say, like the last bit of of what you would consider like a true New Zealand experience, only in the way that like so much of the rest of the country has been completely modernized, you know, 5G networks everywhere and, and like everything is, you know, you walk into the average place and you're just like, this feels like America, but just slightly different, where the Northland is the last bits of, of I would say, more authentic because uh, the native people there are called Maori people, mm-hmm. uh, and they they were island hoppers, kind of like the Polynesian um, deal that made their way up to Hawaii. So they have a lot of cultural references and similar language to a lot of the other islands around there as well. But that is kind of where the highest population of Maori people were, um, and so they have a lot of protected land there, which is pretty cool. So. I got to stay with this one guy, one of the guys who I was planting trees with. His uncle was the chief of the modern-day uh, tribe. 
not necessarily like full chief, but he still had all of the duties, responsibilities, you know, town leader, and they were kind of near a more established area, but they had their own lands and their own ways, which was pretty cool. How long did you stay with with that area? Because I think I remember we also had talked. I guess they're big fans of the NBA there. Yes. Um, so how long? So you were in both islands. You landed when you first got there. You were at the south one is the bigger one, isn't it? No. The, Why am I blanking? They're roughly the same size, but most of the people live in the North Island. Oh, that's right. Okay. I had it backwards in my head. So you land on the North one. And are you kind of just like going up and around and yeah, so like so like what was the order of things? You land, you get the van, you're at the beaches, you sell the van. Are you at tree stuff? Are you at the tree stuff shortly afterwards, or like take us through kind of like the timeline a little bit? Gotcha. So yeah, I land. I didn't know what to do. I you know met the guy. We built out the van, sold the van. I got my own car, and then I started traveling place to place because I didn't like some of the jobs I'd work, I'd make money. Some of the ones were this thing I'm sure you've heard of. It's called woofing. It's working on organic farms. Mm -hmm. And that basically allows you to do like a couple hours of work a day for a farmer or something related to farming. And then they will give you food and a place to stay for free. So I ended up going to this boysenberry farm on the east side of the North Island. And it was much more of like a grassland area because New Zealand is insane. Like every few miles, every few ridgelines, you're just like, this is a different biome. Everything here is completely different than where I just was 30 minutes ago. So this place was like dry, uh, yellow, golden grass everywhere. Uh, super pretty. And so I worked on a boysenberry farm there and it was cool. I didn't touch my wallet for like a month, like zero dollars earned, zero dollars spent, which was like a pretty unique experience because even like going down to the store, you buy a $2 Coke or whatever, and you're like, that's money. You're still thinking about it. I didn't know where my wallet was for like 30 days, which was kind of a cool feeling. Um, but so I did some time there and then I wanted to go to the South Island. So there's a ferry between the islands. I went to the South Island. I spent some time uh, doing the fish, the like offloading fish. And then there's this place called Abel Tasman, which is a national park. But basically I hopped between the islands a couple times and I just did a nonstop, like making friends, staying in hostels. Sometimes I wouldn't even stay in the hostel. I'd sleep in my car, but then I'd hang out around the hostel to be able to meet people, to, you know, have other opportunities um, for jobs or hiking or doing whatever. Um, but I stayed here and there. I made some really good, I met this, this guy named Felix, um, from Germany and we had the same birthday and it was about like two weeks before our birthdays. So we decided to go to the Sable Tasman together with our friend Denise. Um, and then we basically traveled down the coast of the South Island, which is just the wild, rugged, you know, what you think of just kind of the most rugged places you can think of, um, glacial hikes and stuff like that. And then we met down in this town, which is, I'm not sure if you've ever seen a picture of like a tree in a lake. It's one of the most photographed trees in the world. It's called the Wanaka tree, um, but it's just like a glass lake. 
uh, with a tree on it in the water with like these beautiful snow-capped mountains in the background. So we went and saw that, but it was kind of like a nonstop. Didn't know where I was going to spend. Like I never planned more than probably 48 hours ahead, but usually it was kind of you wake up and you just figure out what you're going to do, which was the fun of the adventure. It made it really exhausting for sure because you're short on resources, supplies. Um, I didn't, I had a SIM card with like a few gigabyte, like a gigabyte or something of data. So data was hard to come by sometimes. Um, so it was, it was definitely an experience where it's not necessarily, it's one of the newest countries in the world. Like it's, it was discovered by one of the English explorers, Captain Cook in the, in the 1800s. So everything there is not historical but the nature is insane. So I wanted to see as much as I could, and that was the plan, but it was definitely like, you know, sleeping in random people's barns, sleeping in everywhere, meeting all sorts of random people, and it was just like a, a totally random, but adventurous type experience. So, yeah. What's that like for you? Cause In the U.S., obviously, we don't have – I don't think anyone in the last 15 years has only had one gig on a SIM card. Um, and just like you mentioned, right, even if you're sleeping in your – even if you're, you're sleeping in your car, you're still around the hostel looking for work, like the social battery on – there's like the social battery on you. And I remember this from school and from just knowing you anyways. Like for me, just thinking about that, and I was like – you didn't have one day where you could just like chill. <laughs> like you can't because you're, you always need that extra like $50 or whatever to stay in the hostel later or like that. So how, cause you were there for a year, a yeah. year. Yeah. So like doing that every day for a year, even though you're in different spots, like when you came home, we'll go like, we'll go back to when you were in New Zealand, but when you came home and you're like, what did it feel like to just step off the plane and like, going to an actual bed it was it was pretty wild I, I definitely got beds from time to time like when i was lucky i would be offered one here and there but having a consistent place it was very different because i i've had we've all had many years of our life but i would say that year felt by far the longest of any year i've ever had uh just because every second of every day there was like a thought process to it and you do get used to it, but I've never had to use so much mental energy just to be like, where am I going to go to the bathroom today? You know, like where am I going to sleep? And and not just that there, they have this thing called like self-contained vehicle laws where you basically had to have a bathroom and like a bunch of requirements to be able to sleep in a certain distance, whatever it was, inside of your vehicle and you have to get it certified by the government for you to be able to sleep roadside because there were so many people who would kind of abuse that you know they would just drive out and they would have a party and leave glass and whatever and that's really like not fair um because environmental tourism is like one of the biggest like i guess profitable uh industries for them so mm -hmm. uh I didn't have that, but I also, like, I'm an Eagle Scout. I take a lot of pride in my ability to leave no trace. Like, I really, yes, I was not necessarily, like, following the rules, but I made sure, like, 
even to like pick up as much trash as I could from other people to try to like make a more positive like place than what I left right like I, mm -hmm. so but I that being said I would have to kind of scope out the spots I was going to sleep that night and they would have a ton of agents like like whatever their version of their park service was and they would go around handing out $200 tickets and I like rarely had $200 so it was one of those added stressors that wasn't a huge deal but every night it wasn't like oh I'm just gonna sleep here the majority of the nights it was like all right this is where I'm gonna sleep I'm gonna prepare my meal over here and then I'm gonna like pull into here at night sleep and then get out as soon as I can in the morning mm -hmm. so there was stress but it was fun and like the things I got to see were unbelievable like for anyone who doesn't know much about New Zealand just type in like scenery New Zealand it is where almost all the science fiction movies are filmed because they don't even have to do CGI, it, but it looks like it's from another world. Like Lord of the Rings, Chronicles yeah. of Narnia, all of the things are filmed there. So every day was like, I want to go see some stuff, but it also was this pressure of, all right, if I'm going to be here and I'm not going to shower for two weeks and I'm going to have like $45, I might as well like make this worth my while. So there was definitely a pressure to go on as many hikes, see as many things, do as many things as I could, um, which I don't think was bad. But when I was done with it, it was, I think that's when I realized how tired I actually was, is when I came back. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's like, you, like, once you get used to something like that, like the human, like your body, like going through soccer preseason obviously is not the same but like once you start getting used to the two days and the strain on your body for certain things you start to get like used to that level of stress physical and mental and then you have a day off and it's just like oh i've just been <laughs> doing that for well for you for a year but like i'm imagining back to the times that i was doing similar whether it was like two weeks here or preseason and a whole season there or in South Africa for three weeks or like any of these things. I can't, I can't, I literally cannot imagine doing it for a year. Like it's so long to, to be on that grind. Like, I don't know. Fair play, dude. I have no idea how you did it. Honestly. I will say though, I think it definitely has taken some, it was weird because I had that and it was the most free I've ever felt in my life. And then coming back, basically going straight into COVID was like the least free I've ever felt because the whole world was like inside their house. Mm -hmm. And I'd say the contrast of that was one of the weirder things I've ever experienced because every day it was like, no matter how crazy it was, there was this sense of freedom. Like I can just do whatever I want, whenever I want, go wherever I want. Right. Like, and then going from there. So I'd say after COVID, I've kind of refound that level of you know I want to go do some more things because yeah it's just been this crazy roller coaster ride for sure like as an example um when I was planting trees there was these two guys that I planted with uh Ed and Charlie one was from France one was from England and just kind of it's hard to explain but when you're in this kind of free form travel not really knowing what you're doing just kind of letting life taking life as it comes to you. This guy, Ed, who I was planting trees with, uh, was trying to do a little bit of side hustle work, and he was painting, or painting anti-foul 
uh, on the bottom of a boat, which basically just like means all the little like sea life doesn't stick to the bottom. And he met this guy, and the guy taught himself to sail. And he said it was the best experience of his entire life, and he hopes someday to be able to give that to somebody else. Long story short, that someone else was Ed, he walked away with the dude's yacht at the end of the day, and he came back to the tree planting, like where we were, and he's like, guys, I got a boat. What? <laughs> yeah, we got a boat. <laughs> it literally just like got a boat. And so it was genuinely unbelievable. But then we, we realized, so we were about a two and a half hour drive north of where he was. We had to drive down stay with this some people that we met and then sail the boat and none of us knew how to sail back up to the place we were planting trees so we had to take a week off of work and then we would just go island to island and we didn't really know what we were doing and had like a tiny little motor on the end so for like getting in and out of docks you know like or port yeah. or whatever um but we couldn't just like run that the whole time we didn't have enough gas or resources so we had to like teach ourselves to sail with no terminology or understanding. So there was like a week and a half that we were just on the water <laughs> going place to place. And it was insane. It was just definitely one of the crazier experiences I've ever had. That's, oh, Jesus, dude, you stressed me out in a good, in a good, <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. It's like, it's wild to hear about it. And I'm just like, um, okay. So let's, I went right, right before you came back, we were talking that you had made a lot of friends because you were wearing a wizard jersey and there was lots of NBA people there. Talk about the, the sort of sport culture that they have there. Obviously rugby is huge there, but I had it had never occurred to me that the NBA would be big. There's a couple Australian players, of course, Patty Mills, I think uh Ben Simmons, like a few others, but New Zealand had never crossed my mind that that would be a thing. Yeah. I was a bit shocked. Um but it kind of makes sense. Steven Adams is from New Zealand. Oh, so, well, I guess that makes sense. And they love him there. He's on everything. He is the Michael Jordan of New Zealand. Like he is every bus has him, you know, put, like on the poster and Gatorade, Powerade, whatever. He's just everywhere. But he's super cool because he's like a super humble guy. Mm -hmm. They have this kind of cultural thing there that it's like never good to brag about anything. Um, and if you do, no matter how good you are, you could literally win gold in the Olympics. If you're like, hey, I want gold, they'll just tear you down for it. It's kind of like a stay humble by force type deal. But it's cool. Like, it's a really, like, everyone's very humble. And Stephen Adams is, like, their role model because he is so humble. Um, and he's so successful. But basketball there, like, I, they've kind of adopted the American culture. Like, it's kind of crazy. Like, you'll see these Islanders that, you know, they're on the other side of the planet and they're listening to, like, they're blasting Snoop Dogg in, like, an American Cadillac while wearing, you know, like, a vintage, like, Vince Carter jersey or something. And it's crazy, but... So I made the majority of my friends through playing pickup. Basketball is huge in that side of the world, so I would just go to a court. And truthfully speaking, like, I, it's about 80%, I believe, don't quote me on that, but it's, it's over three quarters of the population is white in New Zealand. And then about a quarter ish or less is the, the Maori. Um, and the, the white population comes from England. Like they're all expat English people. 
and they just don't care about basketball at all. Like, that's just not part of their culture. Um, whenever there's a game on, like, I, I tried to go to uh, in the capital city and watch the, the Christmas Day games, and it was cricket all day. It was like a cricket tournament. I couldn't find a single bar to turn on NBA basketball. But then when I was in the Northland, it's everywhere, right? But they would see me on the court, and they don't see too many people that look like me playing basketball, so they immediately would always come up, and I would play pickup for, like, three, four, five hours sometimes, and I would, like, be able to couch serve, and, like, just people would be, like, I would be playing, and they would come up, and they'd bring me, like, a plate of food, like, here, you're one of us now, like, here's some food, come hang out with the family. Uh, on New Year's Eve, I was playing basketball in, in the Capitol, and I basically, like, ended up hanging out with this, this huge family for an entire evening, and they, they like, let me I, – I didn't have any plans. I didn't have anyone to kind of hang out with that night. And I was thinking about doing the classic, you know, go drink at bars or whatever. But I ended up just, like, spending about 10-ish hours with this this Maori family that just kind of took me in just because I was playing basketball and for no other reason. Like, they just thought it was really cool. So, yeah. It was, I mean, it was- you're also a very nice person. So that's probably something to do with it. Like, it's definitely not just because you're playing basketball. But I found the majority of those opportunities came through the basketball yeah. court where they didn't. And I appreciate that. And, yeah, there were definitely other opportunities randomly that would occur. But I found the majority of, like, the easiest way to open any sort of conversation came through just playing basketball. It was, it was very cool. And yeah, of course. I I mean, though, like, you open up the opportunity, and then if you're a dickhead, then they don't let you hang out with them for 10 hours. Oh, so, sure. like, yeah, that makes sense, though. That's that's super interesting. I remember you telling me about that. So what was the differences between, I'd say, between, like, some of the European countries and New Zealand as far as um, – or similarities, I guess? Because you did pretty much the same thing in Europe, essentially. You'd, like – be at a basketball court and meet a family and then they'd let you sleep at their house (laughs) or or like you'd be at a bar and you'd meet somebody and then like how similarities differences um what did you like not like about both of them like how like just talk about your the people at all the places you you've been because i get the feeling from from soccer meeting a lot of people from a lot of different places that there's not really a country that I've been to, where I'm like, wow, these people suck. Like everybody seems really nice, and it's like the people that suck are New York. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> and there's people who suck everywhere, but I've found that there's maybe possibly less people who suck in certain spots than others. And yeah. everyone who I met, New Zealand is notorious for being a super friendly place. Like they're just and like genuinely nice too. That's the difference. Like. I definitely found like, you know, I have family in Alabama and even just being in like the South adjacent area, there's a lot of Southern hospitality that very much exists. And I appreciate all of the things I've had, but I've also found a lot of kind of, you know, the bless your heart, the kind of fake, uh, fake friendliness. That's the worst. Yeah. Which I've never really liked. And it's really kind of pushed me away in New Zealand. They say what they mean. And that's something I found not just in New Zealand, but a lot of European countries, like the Dutch, they're so unbelievably blunt. And at first they caught me off guard because no one says anything they actually think, like at least not through my experience. Like 
as an example, you know, if, if someone didn't like my shirt, they'd be like, hey, man, I don't like your shirt. And I, at first I was like, what, excuse you? But then I realized like they didn't mean that as an insult. They just want you to know where they're thinking. So there was never like any sort of, I'd say like miscommunication. And if it's something as dumb as a shirt, who really cares? But like, I always knew what they felt and what they thought, which I just found made friendships immediately like stronger because if you guys were on the same wavelength, it wasn't like, oh, we like each other. I think, and finding out, oh no, he hated my guts the entire time, but he was just being funny for some reason. So I just found that, that the blunt way that they spoke, I really, really enjoyed and learned to love. And then I tried to adopt some of that and then I came back and then it just made me sound kind of rude. So I given up on that for, for, you know, a while now, but I miss it. Like I definitely miss the, the ability to like, no question about where somebody stands like they're speaking their mind and that's pretty common through a lot of places i found along the way at least yeah soccer is the same and i well i've run into the same problem that you have here um and that's a bit interesting because i don't like guessing where people are thinking and the other thing I think that goes that's a little bit deeper into why is because I feel like people can separate like I don't like your shirt doesn't mean that I don't like you. And people here will take if you say I don't like your shirt, they're like, well, he hates me. It's like, no, actually, I just don't like your shirt. And that ability to separate for like for me, I can separate it because I've been in soccer with foreign people or like people not from America my whole life, pretty much. And then for you, you've been traveling, I'm sure you've experienced much the same where for you, the, I think that's why when I was in South Africa, I was able to like, like fit in with people. Like we were in our, we were in our group from here, obviously, but when we could just get off the bus and like wander around, I just make friends with people because I never had to make that adjustment of, oh, he doesn't like my whatever. That means he doesn't like me. It's just like, oh, okay, that's fine. Well, I didn't like the shirt either, even though I'm wearing it. It's just because that's the only thing I brought. Sorry. Like exactly. I didn't have to make that adjustment. It sounds like for you, you made the adjustment pretty quickly, but I wish the guessing of how people feel about you as a person is very irritating. Like there's all these little, like I found this job searching a bit where like, you can't be totally honest, but you have to do this and you have to like say it in this way. And like, it's just so it's like, I don't know. It, it like, it just wastes time, it wastes like mental energy and time and emotional energy. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think you nailed it. Like that's something I have found people don't necessarily understand people being just kind of the people I've met along the way here that you can, no one's going to like everything about somebody. It's impossible. Your best friend, the person you like the most in this world, there's still going to be some elements that you don't absolutely 100% love about them. And you can comment on that without it being an attack on them as a person. And it can be quite healthy sometimes because if it's something as silly as an example, a shirt, they have many shirts and if they know that you don't like it, they can choose to wear it or not <laughs> as a silly example, but like, they can also be like, all right, like, I know that you don't like this, so I'm not going to wear it as opposed to like, 
oh, he doesn't like my shirt. He must hate me. Like now we're no longer friends, which is what I find happens here a lot, especially when it comes to politics or just any sort of like. Oh, that's the worst. Don't even get me started on that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I just found weird. And what was so cool is like being in these hostels, everyone's from everywhere. Right. And everyone's there for a short period of time. So there's not even really a reason to get that offended by something because a that person might be gone in the morning right and b you're all from somewhere different that have totally different life experiences even if they're similar on paper they're still different because there's a million factors that lead into every single person's life right so it was just a cool thing but i think a lot of people were on the same page of like listen we can talk about this but we're not i'm not going to change your mind at night and we're all so different that like we should just embrace that. And that's something that I really, I guess, enjoyed because I guess I, I had enough people and I've seen people go abroad and, you know, they come back with the accent after being gone for like three months or whatever it is. And you're like, all right, who's this guy over here? Right. And so I guess I have this like fear of enjoying or learning something from the traveling experience and then not have it be received or maybe feel like I'm just, you know, I'm making that too much of something that it's not. But I do think that like, there is something beautiful to a lot of the elements of traveling that way, because the people you meet are so random. And I mean, I was traveling completely solo. For the most part, I would pick up random, like I would pick up hitchhikers, I would pick up, you know, people like we'd be in a hostel, like my friend Felix, I met this guy at a hostel. And next thing you know, we're traveling two weeks down the coast together in the same car like he was in my car but because we just felt this like automatic level of like respect and connection or whatever it didn't feel like a lot of people I meet who you're like you're just being nice to be nice like I knew that when he was being nice to me it's because we were actually getting along so I felt much more comfortable extending something like let's sleep in the same car together with a total stranger on a coast with no cell service in the opposite side of the world. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, it's not necessarily something that would feel natural with a lot of people I meet from our culture, I guess. No, a hundred percent. I wouldn't dream of doing it, but like to your point, when you get in that situation, I think, I don't know, were you like that before you traveled to Europe as much or did it make a big adjustment? So like I'll, I would make, there was one time at at Mary Washington. Um, we were doing move-in day. Some of the foreign kids were already there, like the like the study abroad, like the ones that were coming in. And that day, like two hours into the day, one of the other girls on move-in crew was like, "Oh, so how long have you guys known each other?" We were like, "We met this morning." Like, no, you didn't. It's like, yeah, actually, we did. It's like you guys seem like your best friends. It's like, well. When you when you get the vibe of the person that they're not going to bullshit you, it's and you don't have to guess. Like people don't want to jump into friendships because everyone feels like well, I don't want to say everyone. A lot of people here, I feel like feel like they have to guess if that person is being nice because they're nice, or they're being nice because they feel like they have to be nice. And I also feel like people here have gotten very good at being nice just to seem like they're being nice. That it's hard to tell. And then nobody wants to put in the effort and get burned on the back end because that happens. And like, I don't know, you, you know, plenty of people is like, Oh, I thought that guy was my best friend. And then he like stole 200 bucks from you or like 
it, like yeah. all those stories and it's like when you when you hear about somebody in South Africa getting like their wallet stolen they weren't friends with you for two weeks and then they stole your wallet they just stole your wallet yeah this is like I don't know I, that's not a great example but like you know what I mean yeah no for sure it's it's a one day con it's not like a long term and, and stealing a wallet yeah maybe it's not like the best but I know exactly what you mean where it's like I do think it's like part of our culture to be liked by everyone. And that's going down a whole different deal of social media influence and all that stuff. But, and I feel it too. Like since coming back, I've definitely felt myself regress because I'm so far away from it. And there was a year and a half where we were, we were in this COVID world where it's like, no matter how much you try, if you're spending a year and a half, not really doing much, like, no, I feel like I progressed a lot. And then being back here has definitely made me go back to certain ways. And I have to actively kind of remind myself that like, it doesn't have to be this way. Like there's, there's a million ways to live your life and you don't just have to be nice to people just to be nice, but I want to be nice to people, right? Like I want to like, you know, improve someone's day when possible at any given point. But also if I don't like somebody, I've been trying to work on like finding the easiest, most cordial way to just like, not necessarily stay friends like during the pandemic i did this like mass i think i had roughly around something like a thousand people i was following and i unfollowed like three quarters of them over 700 people i was stopped by instagram from unfollowing only on the concept like my my i guess my criteria was what i feel comfortable reaching out to this person today and sending them a message about anything and if the answer is no, then why would I need to follow what they're having for lunch? You know, like, I, like you know, if I'm not even willing to have a conversation with them. And some of them are super cool people, like, that I met along my travels or met back in the day. But to me, it's this feeling of, like, when we're always being under a microscope of everything we're doing, of course we want people to like us because there's so many more people with eyes on everything we're doing. And so when we get in this mode of, like, you may meet someone random and you're afraid that they have the power to like make you feel or not make you feel, but they can put you on blast so easily now that now I feel like people are living in almost like this fear of being disliked. So they're just trying to be nice. And I didn't necessarily feel that. I also felt that like, like social media was not nearly as strong, at least around the people that I was at around, like, there was well, that that's that way for a reason they, those people were where they were for that for that reason like that i don't think that's a coincidence yeah yeah it was cool though like i sometimes here i feel like it's impossible and inevitable for us impossible not to but it's inevitable for us to just always have phones all of the time but it was nice because so many people i met you were able to like sit down and have a meal with a group of six people and not see a phone for three hours and not one time, unless it was like looking up a fact about a conversation you were having or, you know, something very relevant, showing a picture of something you did that day mm -hmm. in person, you know, not like, Oh, check my story or whatever it was. Like it was like a very authentic, organic connection that I very much enjoyed that I just don't necessarily find here. Yeah. I need to get better at that. I've the having the phones out at, dinner or whatever i've used to be horrible at it yeah. i've gotten i've gotten better 
part of that, I think, is one, you don't want to be in that situation. Like, like with friends is a little bit different. Like if you're, if you like, if you have to go to a dinner with like your extended family or whatever, and you're like, oh, why am I here? Like you're, you're, it's an easy out. It's an easy avoidance of the uncomfortable thing of like, Hey, let me actually learn to have a conversation about whatever. It's almost like cheating. It's like cheating your way out of like learning to communicate with people, which is another thing, right? With in person, like there's so like the amount of people that are, I've had quite a few people that are our age that have hit me up about um, various things. And I've been like, I don't know what I would talk to you about. It's not because you're a bad person, but like, can you have a conversation about something and have it branch off into like, we started with you in New Zealand. Now we're talking about social media and now we're talking about having conversation with our grandparents. Like the conversation can go because there's a, I don't know what the right word is. Flow, I guess. No, not flow, but it's like we've taken the time to to listen to like I've taken the time to listen to what you have to say to think about it and then say, hmm, that's interesting. This is what I think about that rather than listening to what you just said just so I can say, oh, yeah, but how about this? Like listening to listen rather than listening to respond. And that's the social media thing. That's what happens on Twitter. People don't actually read what you say to understand what you say. People read what you say so they can get you. And I feel like that is just like it's gotten so prevalent. It's the same thing with being nice just to be nice. Like people don't people don't just hear the words that you're saying or read the words that you write or like they hold the door so they can say that they did it later. Yeah. Maybe that maybe that's me being overly cynical. Um Yeah, I, I do think we're both being like cynical but I know I am cynical sometimes but I'd say this is more when I say this it's more generality than an absolute like I just generalities a lot and I I definitely have conversations with people where they might hear this conversation be like what about this or this or this and it's like I can point to a million counter examples but if I was to like talk about the trend that I have seen through all of the interactions, I'd say there's a huge push going in this direction. And that's something that's unfortunate in my, in my eyes. Um, some people there, they are comfortable and maybe people who would never have the social ability to, let's say, go to a room with six people that they found their avenue through social media. And there's many beautiful things to it. But I think as a whole, if you were to weigh all of the pros, all of the cons, I think it is more a con than a pro and the way that it's being used. And I'd say like, it is clearly affecting, like you say, I'm, I was a bartender, right? People who are under a certain age have no ability to have like hold a conversation. It's pretty evident. They are so in their phone. They, they don't know if it's not a dance or not, whatever. They don't know what to do in the conversation. There's no flow to it. And, and they're so glued to it that it's, it's alarming and it's like a pretty evident thing. And that's like one of the cool things about being a bartender is you get to see a lot of people from a lot of walks of life. And yeah, I, I would say that, yeah, speaking of generalities, going back, it's probably not necessarily, you say it's cynical, it is cynical, but I also say it's pretty accurate through what I've seen. Yeah. I see it with my little brother. He's 14 now. 
It's like I can't have a conversation with him at all. It's like it's impossible. And partially it's because when you're 14, you don't know shit about anything. But like the other part of it is like, hey, man, how's it going? Good. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't know. It's it's weird, but I, I've learned that through doing this, doing this podcast, even like earlier today, going through some stuff, like I had to get myself up and ready to like mentally to have a whole ass conversation. Cause the first episode of the podcast compared to the ones that I've done now, like obviously it's not been a straight upward trajectory, but like, this is not, you have to learn how to communicate in a way that it takes mental focus and energy to like not zone out. Right. You remember everyone remembers when they're in math class and they zone out for 30 seconds and then they come back and they're completely lost. It's like if you're having a really in-depth conversation, it's, it's similar in that way. And for people that are more introverts, like it's definitely difficult. Like I'm probably borderline between the two, probably split down the middle. But there are definitely days in which I'm like, I really don't want to talk to to anyone but it's because for me, the faking of being nice to like, like you're saying, like the God bless you, like kind of fake niceness takes way more energy to fake it for me than to just like not do it. If that makes like, that's more draining than actually just having a conversation with somebody. So I was like, all right, here we go. Talking to Will rough first, like three questions. <laughs> then like now it's fine. Cause it's good. Cause it, the thing with like a good faith conversation is most pe- most of the time, at least for me anyways, you leave it having a good feeling. Like, oh, that was a good conversation. Like, we were able to to kind of, even if we're not focused on a specific issue or topic or problem, it's like the convert, the exchange of ideas kind of, you feel, okay, I learned something. Even if it's not like you solved this math problem, but you like, you learn more about the person and then about the world is like little, little, little like baby steps. Yeah, no, and I think that's like a perfect kind of to go full circle with that. That's exactly how it goes. And to me, there is a flow that you need to be in a conversation for it to be more than service level. Like it is a dive into both of our, you know, we have to have a certain level of attention, a certain level of thought, a certain level of thoughtfulness. And what's so difficult is with stuff like social media, with always having phones prevalent or like a, or available, I guess, is the fact that one buzz, one sound from your phone, and it pulls you out of that dive you're going into. At least from what I've seen, is that you're going in and you're you're starting to get to the real stuff. You're you're you have ideas bouncing off. You know, you're saying something. I'm thinking of what I'm going to say to you next. It's like this is a really enjoyable deal. The phone vibrates and it's like. Oh, what was that conversation I was having on the phone? And you just totally leave the mental space of where you're at. And then you have to get back to it. And, and that is something I think that in Europe, I had no cell service. I only went Wi-Fi to Wi-Fi. It was incredible because <laughs> when I was outside of a Wi-Fi range, I was in the world. Like it was the only time in my adult life I have been like, wow. <laughs> If I need to get to where I'm going, I need to either ask somebody, and they might not speak English. Like, a lot of times, if I was in a more rural area, they did not. I had to, like, be able to figure out and be so, like, aware. It was so nice not having any sort of distraction. 
And then coming back to like a COVID era where it's like, what are you going to do? You're in your house, you know, you're looking on videos of how like 10 ways to bake a quiche or whatever. And then while you're doing that, you get 20 notifications. Then all of a sudden you're like, all right, I'm going to talk to this person, this person, this person. You're scrolling through and it's like this addiction of, and it's, it's an overplayed narrative that everyone's like social media raw, right? But I'd say for me personally with this experience, it was very interesting because I went from literally having no ability to use my phone outside of very designated areas to being like a year and a half of always being on my phone. And I tried, like for the first like month, two months, whatever it was of COVID, I tried my best. Like I hate phones, I'm not going to be on them. But then I'm just sitting there like hour after hour, like, all right, <laughs> what's now? And then I just found myself going back into it. And I also found my ability to communicate definitely lessened along the way. Like when I went in for a job, this job interview, I had to be like, all right, humans, let's do this. <laughs> like, how do I, how do I communicate? <laughs> and working back at the bar and working this job, I've like had to regain. And that obviously is extreme because we're not always going to be going through pandemics. But I do feel like we, as a whole, have lost a pretty substantial, not even ability, but interest in communicating in the way that we have through all of human history, where it's like, like you said, it is easier, especially if you have introverted tendencies. You can be like, all right, do I really want to sit through this thing and spend all this effort? Maybe it goes well, maybe it doesn't. Or it can be on my phone. And the easiest thing is like a, if a conversation doesn't go well, you just leave them on read. And now it's somehow socially normal to just like not respond to yeah. people. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. It's like, of course, that's what we all do now. But like how disrespectful is that historically to just like be in a line of communication with somebody and just like stop, you know? <laughs> and, and, not, and not close it out. Yeah. That's yeah. never happened before. And now it's just like, not even normal, but like the expected outcome is like you text until there's no more texts and then you just don't text anymore. And that's crazy to me. Like that's not human. That's not like a positive thing. That doesn't build strong friendships and relationships. No, it, it leaves you guessing too. It's like, why did they stop responding? Um, you mentioned one thing, the surface level thing that um, I had a thought that I wanted to touch on. It was, when you go, when you dive deeper into the conversation, you have to open yourself up and be vulnerable to like your thoughts on things. And if you've not thought about that thing and it gets challenged, then like, what well, you have to, well, there's two things that happen. One, either you have to, like when it happens to me, often I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. But there's times where I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't know that thing. And it's like, you have, you're opening yourself up to the possibility of, of, attack or like challenge challenged by the person that you're talking to but it's not a challenge in a negative way it's like an intellectual sparring sort of way where to to get to that point you have to like say hey this is what i think about a thing and then you've actually had to have thought it through i think this is one of the things where you mentioned politics and people losing friends earlier why people don't want to talk about it is because i don't think and i've mentioned this before people haven't thought through what they think about things. They just heard somebody else say it and they're like, this is the thing that I'm going to think. And then when you get challenged on it, like this is, this was the analogy I made, I think in like a couple of podcasts ago, it's like when you go to Spanish class and you haven't done the homework and you're like, professor's like, hola, you're like, hola, como esta? And like, you too. And then you're like, uh, it's like once, once you get past that, it's like you haven't actually thought about it past that. And that 
for politics is a very easy example, but just for for every like, hey, why do you think this thing? Like to ask that question, you have to know that I'm asking you that thing because I'm asking you why you think that because I'm genuinely curious about why you think the thing. I'm not asking you why you think the thing so I can say, ha, gotcha. Cause that's not funny. That's like, that's not helpful either. And then you have to know that I'm asking it because I'm actually curious about why you think it. And then you, if you've thought about it, will give your best answer or close to best answer of why you think the thing that you think. And then we can work on that together. Like, Oh, that's interesting. Have you thought about this? And that's like a, it's, it's like the it's like the the underlying of I'm not asking to get you. You don't have to guess that I'm asking in good faith. Like everything is coming back to like, are you guess like people are guessing now? Why did you leave me on read? Why did you ask why you think that? Why did you do that? And like that's not the stress that that puts on people is like I don't know. It's like it's it's, it's insane. It's insane, honestly. To have to every interaction you have, you have to guess what the person meant. It's like it's not fun. No. Yeah, it's it's not, and it's not, in my opinion, what we have necessarily evolved is a strong word, but like we socially have had standards over many, 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 many years, and all of a sudden, in a very short period of time, relative to our entire evolution of of like society, has drastically shifted. Like if you're at a bar. <laughs> someone just gets up and walks away and leaves you'd be like what the hell is that like what was that <laughs> right like if you're just thinking an open dialogue and they leave and they have half a beer in their cup and their wallet's on the table you'd be like are you okay but now it's like you text somebody and like i feel sometimes when i send texts it's like oh that will be cool if they ever text me back <laughs> like good friends like you know like and i do the same thing like mom if you're listening like she'll send me a bunch of like articles and like, I love her to death. And I've told her this before, but she sends me eight articles and only four remotely relative to something I've gotten in a habit where like, I don't always respond to her and I'm part of the problem too. But like, how crazy is that? Like imagine sitting down with somebody and be like, let's talk about this. And they just don't like give you anything. There's no get response. up and leave. Yeah. Well, the, the flip side to that is that we've been talking about, you're putting your phones down at, like putting your phones away at dinner. So it's like, there's, there's two sides to that coin where it's like, yeah, I didn't respond to your text, but that's because I was having a conversation with somebody else. Like I've, I haven't texted anyone in the hours or hour and a half since we've started talking. And then that the flip side is like, well, I just got up and left half a beer in my wallet at the thing. So it's like, it's, it's, it's the, it's the respect of like, Hey, I'll text you later. Like you get a text be like, Hey, I'll text you later. Or, Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's both. It's everything. It's like all the, it's all the things where it goes back to people just being blunt and clear and like what they're, what they mean, what they're communicating. It's like, Hey, I mean that I'm going to text you back because I'm busy. I'm not making an excuse because I don't want to talk to you. Although that's a diff, that's a whole different can of worms to go down. But like, it's like, I don't know. It's like people's honesty to a fault. It's like, well, we could use some more of that right now in life generally, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Two parts of that. One, I've also heard and very much agree with like, you have the right to your own time. And like, I think it's very much, you don't have to respond, 
but then also you can tell the person that as well. You know, there can be that sort of ground boundary setting boundaries because what, what always is interesting to me is when like we all know the types of some people who have their phones on them all of the time, you know, maybe they'll post 10 stories on Instagram by the time you've, you know, had between each text or whatever. And you know, for a fact, they have their phone all of the time. That's very different than like when I would go to Brock's back in the day, which was you know, our college bar, I used to like to just take either cash or a debit card uh, and then my ID and nothing else with me. Like I would love to. I forgot turn, you did that. Yeah, I would turn my phone off and keep it in my desk at my wherever my room and I would leave. And that way I could go in the town. I have my money. I have my ID. If I get pulled over by the cops or whatever, like I, you know, not just like ID list and I could get in the bars and whatever, but then I could like be in the world and like enjoy life. And people thought I was insane for that they're like where's your phone why don't you have your phone it's like i'm literally with 300 of my closest friends right now (laughs) i'm gonna be fine for three hours without my phone when when you can turn to me or whoever like yeah it's not like none of us had our phones all all of a sudden and like the whole school burned down we need to call our parents it's like no it's fine yeah it was it's a weird dynamic and like I still want to go hiking. I like having my phone in airplane mode or off and away just because like I, I enjoy having those moments away. And I think the fact that like, I hope at least for the people who text me, you know, I say I have plenty of very close personal friends, but I'm zero people's emergency contact because everyone knows that if they need to get in contact with me, there's like a 50, like a 90, 10 chance they're not going to be able to get a hold of me. And I'm pretty good about responding in a relatively like, solid amount of time but i also want to do it when i'm ready and if i'm in a conversation and i have to go on a hike and be like hey i'm going on a hike i will talk to you later <laughs> you yeah know? also hate... people people know that about you like when i text you i don't expect a response like that hour or whatever but i'm also not sitting there like why is will not texting me back yeah. this fucking bitch like that like i don't like i because i know that's the type of person you are but also to your point about the hikes you've learned to appreciate those moments in a way that I don't think a lot of people have. Like I still don't probably appreciate those moments as fully as I should when I'm out and like hiking and you see the top of a thing. Like sometimes I'll be like, I saw this on Google. I don't care. It's like, which is like horrible. Like to really take in what that is. And then, Oh fuck. I had another thing I was going to say. Oh yeah. Uh, Some people will text you at just like random hours and then expect the response like to your time, but you have a right to your own time. It's like, it's it's the like do people not think it's like the I don't even know what I'm trying to say you get text at like ten thirty at night and this was like why didn't you just like text me back and then but I've also had the text at eleven p.m. like hey I need help from whatever and then that's kind of like to the point about knowing who's gonna have what like I wouldn't text you at eleven p.m. hey I need help <laughs> but so it's like knowing which person does what does what thing and it's like there's so many variables to all of it but it's i think like i don't know it's just the world like you said the evolution or like the amount like the change of communication last 15 years like we as humans and our pea brains are not ready for it at all and we are struggling massively (laughs) yeah and that's what i think to bring this back was so refreshing amazing incredible whatever word you want to say 
about the experience of being around a large amount of people from all over that had like a collective understanding of all of that where it was just downright rude and and there was a time like i'm thinking back to when i was in like fourth grade can you imagine like being around your grandparents or whatever and just like whipping out your phone and ignoring them in the middle of a conversation oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> i would got smacked in the car on the way home <laughs> yeah like uh one second grandpa and like four minutes later like yo what were you saying <laughs> you should do that and that was kind of a similar dynamic as far as like but as peers like as equals like if you're speaking, I'm going to listen to what you're saying. And it was great to have that, you know, reciprocated because if I'm speaking, it, it would be much more interesting conversation. And like, as you were saying, you have to be able to think about things, right? The deeper you go in and it gets you in this habit, if that's the way you are, of kind of questioning your, your general thoughts, like, I had people who I've talked to who have made like major life decisions. Like, and when I just ask some pretty simple questions, like I, I'm just asking, like I'm trying to just get a better understanding and I'm trying to keep it as positive, but just like the most entry level surface questions, it's clear that they have never thought about that. Like they've only just like, <laughs> it has been a feeling like, you know, People are like, I need to go to school and then get married at the stage and have kids or whatever it is. And then all the other things. And they just, it feels like they need to do it, but you're like, but, but like, okay, that's awesome. I'm here for you. Like, what are something like, when was the first time you decided to do this? Like, that's a fair question, right? Yeah. Like, like, oh, I don't know. Like, well, where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, I don't know. Uh, on a scale of one to 10, how much is this something you like? want to do well i've never thought about it and then you realize like so many people don't necessarily think and i guess that level of conversation and meeting people with such different perspectives kind of got me in a habit of like wait just because this is something i'm used to like why is it why am i used to this and you know thinking slightly broader like there was this one time where I was making a peanut butter jelly sandwich in a hostel and this guy was like, what the hell is that? And I was like, oh, it's a peanut butter jelly sandwich. And he's like, that's really weird. Is it like a pastry or something? I'm like, no, it's like a, an average American lunch for, for children. <laughs> for children. That's, that's not nutritious. <laughs> like what? And I was like, no, it's like, it's totally normal. And my instinct was like, well, I'm American. Therefore I'm right. Like, obviously that's not what I actively thought, but there was an underlying tone of that. Like, that's what we feel as Americans. Everything yeah. is American centric. So it's like I'm I'm American. We saved you during World War II. Therefore, therefore, this sandwich is not right. Yeah. <laughs> and so that I guess was my subconscious thought process was like, well, just because you don't know it, it's clearly normal. And then like you know he I basically started turning to like, well, have you had this before? To everyone in the room, I was like, no. <laughs> what what is that? And then I realized I was the only person in the room who had ever eaten a peanut butter jelly sandwich before. And I was like, wait, just because it's normal to me doesn't mean that it's normal to the world. And the point I've told all my friends, they've heard it a billion times, is like, we're just under 400 billion people, right, in this country, 400 million people in the United States of America. There's now like 370 or whatever, something like that. And we're about to touch 8 billion people in the world, which percent percentage wise means we're about four percent of the world population 
It's enough to win the next world war. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, I don't know, I feel like everything we think is so normal and is the standard. It's like, we're 4%. Like, yeah, we have more influence than, than some other countries. But at the end of the day, if you were to line up 100 people in a row, you wouldn't only care about what four of those people think and the other 96 being like, I'm never going to think about you and all of your ways are are done. That's not how we would view it. But that's somehow how we end up. And a no fault, I guess, of our own, we are naturally isolated. Like we don't necessarily have an incredibly strong tie with Mexico. And then Canadians are so similar to us that there's not like a huge cultural gap. And then we're isolated from like many other countries where pick a place in the world, there's going to be many countries around there and cultural regions. So I feel like it's more natural for a lot of places to just know another language or know information about other countries where we're just so geographically and you know socially we are like we've isolated ourselves to such a degree that we're like america 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 if we see anything on the news it's a because something some american died it'll be like three americans died in an avalanche today along with three thousand other people <laughs> you know yeah. like that's, that's the headlines like no, it should be like 3,003 people die among that happen to be three Americans, but that's mm -hmm. never the headline. No, never. It's important that you brought that up, but even the sandwich, it's like the self-awareness of like having that realization of like, yeah, this is weird now. Like, and we all come to these realizations in totally different ways. The peanut butter and jelly sandwich for you happened in that one. For me, happened like the end of high school. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is just... Like, this is not a thing. It's like, there's no protein, like, in peanut butter, but it's like, it's all processed nonsense. It's like, what am I doing to myself? Um, But like, this it's self-awareness is so huge. It's like, where do you fit in the world? It's like, well, you're just one of 8 billion. It's like, that doesn't mean you can't be the best one of 8 billion you can be, but also like, just because you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich doesn't mean that it is that way. Um. Yeah, I mean, part of the, I mean, part of the news stuff is like it's because we're here. It's like if you were in Britain, they wouldn't they wouldn't say three Americans died in the avalanche, and also three thousand people. They'd probably just say the three thousand or whatever. But it's yeah, it's really weird. It's just like you people need to pay attention to what's around them. Like where's their where's their place in the world? People don't like read like read stuff. Like go places. Like it's the best. Going places is probably the best life teacher, I have to say, mostly because I talked with you and learned. But but it's not always – that's the thing that's tough is it's, you know, coming back, I felt all these feelings and had all these new experiences and I wanted to share and talk. And, but then it's like that's not always, unfortunately, accessible or easy for a lot of people to travel. So then it's like this kind of, well, then I would – I feel this urge to be like, well, maybe this is an experience I've had. And they're like, well, yeah, this is an experience I've had. And peanut butter jelly sandwiches are the greatest thing known to man. And then you can argue over it. But like, I feel like until you're sitting in a room where you're the only one who's ever had one, it's kind of hard to like really, because some of the stuff is conceptual, like conceptual, I knew maybe wasn't normal, but there was like, for whatever reason, it's such a, a dumb example, but it was a big thing for me where it was like, it clicked. And I felt it. I was like, wait, like, I am the odd one out. And that is okay. It's really cool, actually. But I guess my entire life, I've just had this, like, 
things should be this way because I've been taught that they're this way. And I see that so much everywhere where everyone is like, this is the way it should be. And every other way is incorrect. This is the way. This yeah, but way. you you had enough like awareness and like wherewithal to one, not get pissed off at all these people for saying peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are bad. And two, you had enough um, sense to be like, mm, yeah, that makes sense. Like other people do different things. And like accept that for what it is for the fact that it, it like that is the way it is, but so many people I I hate saying so many people because it's a generalization, but also it's like it's it's true. A lot of people would be like, "What do you mean you don't eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches?" I eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You don't eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You're crazy. You're saying nobody eats peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Well, you're all crazy. It's like actually no, maybe you're the crazy one. And having the this is the thing about being vulnerable in the conversations. It's like looking yourself in the mirror and being like, hmm, I didn't think about that thing. I don't have a good answer, and that's okay. Let me go think about that thing. Let me go realize that I'm not the only person – or like that I'm the only person that eats peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Let me go realize that I'm – there's like a, the macro and then the micro of like, okay, just because I'm the only one that's eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches also doesn't mean that I have to stop eating them. Yeah. And you can still enjoy them and still say they're a great staple of my local area. But yeah. the fact that, you know, everyone else is not, there's no problem with that. And and that is something that has taken me definitely a while too. And also we're so privileged being from where we're from. The fact that we're consistently around people. Like I I moved out to Idaho. And again, I'm here mostly for the nature. It's like unbelievably beautiful out here. But it is the most homogenous society I think I've ever experienced. Everyone is the exact same copy-paste version of themselves. And so it's crazy. Like, I've always considered myself like a more outdoorsy person. I like riding bikes. I like doing whatever. Everybody here likes that. And I mean everybody. Like, if you don't... So you fit right in. Yeah. And that's what I thought, except for it's human nature to, to segregate and divide right and so now it's not like oh you like riding bikes it's like what type of gear set do you have what type of handlebars do you have are you a single track are you a down like everything is like what are we talking about here but i literally see it like when i was working at the bar i'd be like someone coming like oh i was riding my bike i'm like oh i like riding my bike to like well and then question 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 and if it didn't follow like it was it was like a comparison thing i'm like what are we doing? <laughs> like, like, can we not just like enjoy this, but because it's so similar here, it's almost like a interesting social experiment of like seeing how everyone should people get need along. Their groups. Yeah. People need their groups. Um, and it's just like, it's a different culture, but I'd say a lot of that is like, I don't ski. I haven't really been fortunate enough to like, my family's never gone skiing. So like, I never went with them. It just wasn't a thing. I went one time, uh, like two years ago <laughs> for the first time in my life, I went skiing. And so I come out here and everyone's like, oh, do you ski? And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, why'd you move here? <laughs> I'm like, because I want to be here. And they're like, I can feel they're like, well, if you don't do the things that we do, you shouldn't be here. And to me, it's like, well, even if I did, you would still find a way to dislike that. But also, like, 
I can like my things and do my things and still move into an area and do my things there, you know? And I think the peanut butter jelly sandwich thing is strong here. And it's just kind of, it takes a certain amount of being able to talk to people and have that open dialogue to be able to even understand that like skiing is great, but you don't have to do it. Peanut butter just je- like peanut butter jelly sandwiches are great, but you don't have to eat them. It takes a certain level of, of, having that communication style and just repetitions to really be able to think critically. And, and I guess I stumbled. Yeah. And I stumbled into that. It's not, I mean, I wasn't like, this is the way I must do this. Like it's something that happened and look, reflecting back. I was like, Oh shit, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but, and I'm sure even through you talking like to people on podcasts, like, I'm sure you had a general idea of what you were getting yourself into, but I'm sure you've taken away a lot more than you realized you would have at the beginning. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Is because there's all sorts of people that talk. They have different styles of communication, and they're they know different things, and they respond better to X style of question versus Y style of question. Like to keep things interesting, like you and I might just have a conversation like we're having now, but somebody else might do way better when it's just like interview style, question one, question two, question three, and like being able to pick up on that. And like we transitioned from that in this podcast alone, right? We, the first like 40 or 40 minutes or whatever, I was question one, what was your craziest job in New Zealand? Question two, where'd you go in New Zealand? Question three. Now it's where is having conversation and it's flowed one because we've been friends for a while, but, like I feel like both you and I could have this I've had this sort of conversation with people that I met for the first time on the Zoom call that that we then recorded the podcast with like um so I I don't know it's so to answer your question yes basically yeah yeah it's to me it's almost a skill Mm -hmm. it is it's learned it's learned for sure like I was always like okay at it, but you go back to like the first three, four, five episodes versus the ones now, like I'd be able to pinpoint specific things that I like consciously did versus the first couple ones is like just having a conversation and like getting lucky basically. And then I could point to specific things where it's like, okay, I need to press here. Okay, this person they're answering this question but they don't really seem like they want to get into this that much so we back off and we move to something else like it's it's more conscious now as like an interviewer or like as a as a host or whatever and that's been the skill to like because it's more than just you and i just sitting here having a conversation you need both but it's not just that for sure what's been like the hardest thing to learn um I had one episode fairly early on where I just couldn't get answers, like coherent answers to ask the next question. Um, And I remember being like somewhat disappointed in myself that I wasn't able to like, I don't, it wasn't necessarily all my fault, but like there's definitely things I could have done better. And to adjust from that into, there was an episode a couple months ago um with a with uh I think it was 66 was Charlotte Howell she's a film studies professor and this was 
right around when the she's interested in soccer as well and this is right around when the u.s women's team had sued u.s soccer for the equal pay stuff and there was a lot of different things that were going on with that and i was in my head i was like i want to ask her about this in her opinion because i had a preconceived notion going in well it wasn't totally preconceived i had some uh background intel from somebody that knew her but like about where she would fall on it so i wanted to press a little bit just to see kind of pressed a little bit felt it kind of going yeah and i was like okay change subjects and so that was something that maybe the first the first episode i mentioned i would have pressed and kind of like killed it by accident but this time around i was like i pressed just enough to get something like get like the beginning of an opinion and i was like okay now we move on it's like the how far do you push that line without totally killing it the whole thing because you because you need the good faith thing you'd like i didn't want her to think that i was out to get her because i wasn't but i actually wanted to like dig deep into here why she thought what she thought but then it's kind of like well that that i don't really need to go to push much more like killing the interview is not worth me pushing one question deeper and like knowing where that line was of like this is probably the last one i can get away with before it's like dead that's that's cool that's something i feel like sometimes i need to to learn um as well and i'm sure that's like when you're in a podcast format it's like a hyper focused version of that like you have to have that control otherwise it doesn't go like smoothly or successful Mm -hmm. i don't know if i don't know if i would have killed it i don't know where exactly the line was by the way charlotte was super nice and it was a great conversation and that was just my own gut feeling on on the day so not that she if she's listening to this charlotte i really enjoyed our conversation but um but yeah just as the example or like another one was the one with uh with uh dr nurschel or granddad as uh as that one if you just give him one question and just let him go he'll just talk for the whole time so it was like where to where to interject properly and where to like ask for clarification and where to do these things without like while also letting him just run with whatever he wants to talk about because that's what he does so it's like the that sort of thing yeah and i think that's so cool like i'm assuming that's helped you in in normal life as well outside of podcasting Mm -hmm. yeah interviews job interviews um like just talking with people communication with like even like with my parents before the wedding when stresses are really high um things like that being able to being able to articulate and act exactly what you think or what your idea is in a way that makes sense to the other person like you and I could talk about a basketball play and we could go into super like okay this pin down screen and this guy did a flare out and then backdoor cut for an oop right and like somebody who doesn't know anything about basketball would be lost but being able to articulate to quickly understand the level of knowledge that that person has about that subject and then articulate it in a way that makes sense to them without making them feel dumb but also not making it so complex that they have no idea what you're talking about it's like that balance yeah that's i guess like even at the beginning i guess it felt so familiar that i felt like i was more talking to you so we picked i picked up without any context for whoever might be listening 
who hasn't listened to the first one and you immediately brought that back into you know mm-hmm. having me do a recap which you know when you did, said that I was like duh of course like I have to do that but it's hard to sometimes remember the context of where we're at and like what what needs to be said for us to have a flow like this but also realize that it's for many people out there who've never met me um, and have not heard necessarily the the previous one. So it's cool that you're in that level of control because it's tough. It, I guess what's so impressive to me is a good podcaster makes it look easy. Mm-hmm. Well, there's ones who are, there's different, there's all sorts of different types. Like there's ones like the comedy ones and they literally just riff off each other and make jokes. Like there's no, like they have control of it for sure. But there's less of a structure, like not that this one's structured either. And then there's ones where, like, well, there's all different types. And so for for each one to, like, for each person to understand what style they're in and then to maximize that style. Like, for me, this is the style. But for a stand-up comedian, they just go riff off whatever. They, like, they'll talk about whatever the story is and then just make it funny the whole time. Or, like, um, you have, like, did we talk last time? You know Huberman, Andrew Huberman. I'm not sure. Huberman Lab. He's um he's like a neuroscience professor at Stanford or whatever. His podcast is super sciencey. He's all about okay. Well, if you do cold plunges, then it's got this benefits because the brain does this thing. It's very like structured on each thing, and that's not very conversational. But then he'll go on somebody like 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 a Rogan or whatever. And then it'll be more conversational, but it's because, and I tell people all the time, that's why I listen to Rogan for his ability to control the interview and to get to pull information out where others cannot and press like he's, he's actually so good. And he's so genuine that people feel like they can open up to him. He's got that vibe about him that people are like, yeah, I'll tell him this thing. Not like, and then in their head, not realizing that like 15 million people are going to listen to it. It's like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't normally tell 15 million people that thing, but because you're with him and he makes you feel like, even for those people like listening, like he makes you feel like you're there. It's a very, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like the control and the, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really cool. It's a lot more. It's easy. It's easy to be like okay at it, but it's really hard to be really good at it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's fair because now that you mention it, I've definitely listened to some Joe Rogan. I have mixed feelings, but he's incredible at doing that exact thing. Like he, you feel like you're in the room with him, hanging out, and you just feel like it's about to be your turn to talk. But these guys are just gonna speak first, you know. And that's yeah. kind of a cool thing. Have you had he, any, go ahead. I was just going to say, have you had many other um, free flow conversations like this? On, a lot on of your- them. I say probably maybe a little more than half. I don't, yeah. I don't really like the interview ones, the straight up interview ones, but that's just, it's just, I prefer it other ways, but I've had some where like with, um, I had a vet, I think it was 34, maybe, um, Dr. Adam, Adam Chrisman, I had 35 minutes with him. So that was like basically straight interview because he's got like hundred K followers on TikTok, 50 K followers on Instagram. Like he's got, his time is valuable. Um, and so for him, it's like more interview. And he told me afterwards, he's like, you're very good at interviewing and not making it feel like an interview. And I was like, well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, so I, so those are good, but I say it ranges really. 
like I'll have I'll have stuff like this for sure. Like I don't know, I I've had um several friends from Mary Washington on. Brandon, you remember Brandon, um have had I've had him on have I've had him on a few times. Aisha has been on a couple times. Um it's been good. And the other thing with, with Rogan is like he asks questions that regular people would ask. Like the question that you think is dumb because you feel like it's obvious that well probably everyone else in the room also wants to know the answer to that question. And then those are the questions that he asks. And that's the other reason why. Like I watch his I watch him when he has for the guests for the guests and his ability to get information out of the guests. Like once you watch four or five of his, you know where he stands on most things. It's like I don't listen to it for him. I listen to it for his ability to get stuff out of these people because some of these people, and I did this as a thought experiment. I listened to one, one of his guests were like, so people start to make the rounds when they like publish books or whatever. I listened to the same guest on like four different ones. His Brogans was by far and away the most like the most open in that way. One of the other ones was um, Lex Friedman. So I got super sciencey and I stopped understanding about 15 minutes in, <laughs> but but like Rogan's was the most open, the most like normal person questions. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's because he obviously he's not a normal guy, but he's not. He's a normal guy from the standpoint of like up here. He's not a scientist and he's not a political person. He just sees what's going on. And he's like, this makes no sense because what he does is he likes to eat elk, work out and like watch MMA. Like, a lot of people, a lot of people do those things, you know? And do a lot of DMT. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. I don't think he does it as much anymore, but yeah, like a lot of people do those things. A lot of people yeah. smoke meat, smoke, smoke weed, watch MMA and eat steak. Like, and so that's where he comes at it from. And it feels like a normal, like he asks those questions. Like he's not asking, well, how did you mathematically, did you get to the end of that calculation? Or like... So I don't know. It's cool, man. It's cool. Learn a lot of learn learned a lot of things for sure. Yeah, it's uh just this quick deal about the Rogan. Like I've always found him funny. I always enjoy listening to him. Mm -hmm. I think the problem of why he's such a controversial figure is because his platform is so big, and like the dangerous part is he will ask questions on stuff he doesn't know and give his opinion, which is totally fair. But then I know a lot of people will take that opinion as like a scientific fact or you know like they will start basing the way they live their life off of joe rogan who's like 17 blunts into a four-hour like you know conversation spitballing <laughs> and because he's so good at making people feel like you know he's one of them and you're in the room people like start like listening to him as gospel but i guess that just is a testament to how good he is at that i guess yeah that's exactly what it is and that's not a hint like i don't i don't go listen to him and i'm like you know what i should really start smoking weed like <laughs> that's not his responsibility to ensure that i don't mm. do like at a certain point if you're listening to him and this is not to like he said stupid things like let's just cap like he said dumb things but at a certain point right when when you talk about like somebody says oh i don't like your shirt and you know that's not about you, it's about the shirt. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to understand, people have to understand that he says a thing. It's the same with me. I say, I've said 
probably plenty of stupid things at this point on this podcast. But that doesn't mean that nobody's going to take it for what I said. Why would you listen to him as scientific gospel when he smokes a lot of weed and shoots arrows and works out and watches MMA? Like why? Like that's that's dumb. Like if you if you think about it, like just like take one step removed from like he, a lot of people listen to him and then they do what he says. True. Why? Like one step back, like what you said is entirely true, but also like at he's never advertised himself as the person that people should listen to for those things. He says every other podcast that he's a moron, yeah, like or something like that. He's got a clip of Alex Jones on there going, <laughs> "I'm kind of retarded." It's like, yeah, dude. It's like, yeah, don't listen. Like they're just spitballing. And they they advertise it as such, like they're not lying to like they're not lying to people. So, so oh, what? Well, go ahead. I just wonder though if that's a full circle moment where because people are so unable to like know how to communicate and communication styles are so blurred that when they find someone that they're able to feel comfortable with, they're like, "This guy's got it." Like he says he's dumb, but I like the way he speaks, so I'm just gonna. I'm just going to take all of this stuff, you know, yeah. and put it here. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what happened with Trump for a large a large portion of it. People are like, yeah, he's telling the politicians how it is. It's like, yeah, well, that doesn't mean that you should also do that. Like, so it's, it's, I don't know. I've got to wrap up in a second, but like last point is like when people listen to what celebrities are saying, it's like the same thing when Kyrie was talking about flat earth and now he's talking about, um, he shared whatever the movie was. I don't even know what the movie he shared was, by the way, like it never, it just said anti-Semitic film, but it's like, why are we listening to these people about their thoughts on these things? We're not paying them for, again, not condoning anything that he said. I don't agree with it, but I'm saying, these are people like if Kyrie Irving's like, Hey, we should probably do this for basketball. Like, okay, I'll listen to you. He's like, Hey, we should, the earth is flat. <laughs> okay. You can think the earth is flat. Yeah. You're, you play basketball for a living. Let me go talk to Neil deGrasse Tyson. Right. Let him tell me if the earth is flat. Like and that's why it's so dangerous though, because so many people, that's where I'm, I'm completely with you in the fact that like, I started to follow celebrities when I was big on, you know, when I was using Instagram every day, like, you know, if I really liked someone, whether it was a basketball player or comedian or whoever it was, and I started realizing, like, I would start to see their personal lives. And I'm like, this isn't, this, this is useless to me. Like, who cares what, you know, Kyrie had for lunch today? Like, it doesn't matter. But then when he starts sharing this stuff, I don't take it. And I think you don't take it for gospel. If he's saying the world is flat or like, yeah, we've thought about this before. We know that it's not, right? Uh, so, yeah, we've known that for 500 years, bro. Like... <laughs> but the deal is there's so many people that they just take the first thing. Now, I'm guilty of that, too. The amount of, like, whatever tall tales or, or whatever they are that you call them, like, wives' tales of, of, you know, if you throw salt on this way, this will happen. Like, you know, you think it's correct. And then it's all of a sudden it's like, no, that's scientifically incorrect. It's just been going on. Like everyone believes this, but it's not true. Yeah. It's like, 
I get that all the time where I'm like Googling something like this is proven to be incorrect. It's like, wait, like I thought that was real and I don't do deep dives and I consider myself a more critical thinker. The problem is when everyone has Kyrie's shoes and I love the team and all this stuff and he's saying that, next thing you know, they're like, well, I'm just going to take Kyrie's word on this. And yeah. Then, um, and, and that's entirely accurate as well. It's twofold. It's they need to be more responsible with what they're saying. And then the populace needs to be more aware of themselves, really. Like, it's not – it's both. We've run into this problem where it's easy just to blame Kyrie for this because he's one person rather than all the people that have believed what he's said. What he said. Instead, why don't we go to, like, every single person who's like, yes, I believe Kyrie. And you're like, why the fuck did you believe this guy who said three years ago that the earth was flat? Like, you know he's saying stupid things, and you're still going to believe him? So it's it's a twofold problem. You're 100% accurate, and and I agree with you full stop on, like, they like people should generally be more responsible. People in those positions should generally be more responsible with what they're saying. However, the caveat I would say is we shouldn't shut these people down then. You should have them talk more, talk to, like, I don't know who's a famous Jewish person, Ben Shapiro. Go have, go have, Ty, go have Kyrie talk to Ben Shapiro and put it on the internet. Like, yeah. and, then you'll, and then you'll see. Like, then you'll see. Like, the, the best way to beat bad ideas is with good ideas, not to shut the bad ideas up. Because if you, if you get rid of this person, then people are going to be like, oh, Maybe let me go check that guy out more. Maybe let me go see, like, you know, when you're a kid, somebody told you you couldn't do something, you're like, wait till the lights are off, and you're like, let me go sneak and downstairs and play video games, or like whatever the thing is that you're not supposed to be doing. It's like a similar phenomenon to that. But both things are true. Both things are 100% true, and it's it's mind-boggling that, well, there's that, and then also the... Um, a friend of mine coined the grocery self method. It's like take what you want and then like leave what you want there. It's like if you want to watch what Kyrie eats for lunch because he's an athlete and he's taking in like the right amount of nutrients for different things, it's like you can take that in. And then he says the, the earth is flat and you leave that one. That's fine. You can you can think that, Kyrie. But I'm going to watch how you train because you're one of the best athletes in the world. It's like both things can be true. He can be both an idiot and one of the best point guards in the NBA. Yeah. So like – you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the tough thing is to your point about the grocery. I like that the grocery shelf because if they did sit down with Ben Shapiro and they did have an hour conversation, so few people would watch the actual deal. And if they were on one side, one side would be like Kyrie confirms the world is flat, and they'd be like, "See, I told you." And the other side would be like Ben Shapiro says, you know this and you would just take a headline from each side and then you would have people who are separated not communicating with each other just getting their little headlines mm. and and that's what's so frustrating because people yeah. don't sit down they don't talk and these people will never talk to each other either unless they're just yelling at each other from some screen somewhere yeah yeah no i mean i agree with that as well it's it's a tough situation to be in do you know um yay or kanye spoke with lex friedman for like three and a half hours do you, know who, do you know who Lex is? Mm-hmm. He's an MIT robotics engineer that has a podcast. He moved to Austin. Super smart guy. He's Jewish. Okay. He talked with Kanye for three hours about the Jewish comments. So it happened. This already happened. Like I think it released a couple of weeks ago. 
right? But three and a half hours is a long time. But also, look, we've been talking for two hours at this point. Yeah. And we've covered a few things. But if you're going to sit down with something of that magnitude, um, like somebody that's that famous, and then somebody who's on the offended party, or like however you want to say, somebody's on who's on the wrong end of that comment, and you're going to really have a good faith conversation and get into why these things happen in a contentious, like it's a contentious way. You need that amount of time because potential miscommunications and potential this and that is the same thing. When Antonio Brown went on um, the PBD podcast, like that's two hours, the first hour, absolute train wreck, right? Cause Antonio Brown is not taking them for, he's being very defensive instead of answering the questions. And then they're able to like open it up a bit. Um, I don't know. I have time, so I listen to these things. But one, one to how to get better as a host. But two, like these are the conversations that need to be had. And then you listen to the conversation, absorb what they've said, and then you take right. You, I agree with this guy here, and I agree with that guy there. And like that's the grocery store method. You know, it's it's tough, man. It's tough because. People don't have the time to do that or, or the attention span. Thanks, TikTok. Um, but it, it's tough because the only way to get into all these ideas is to sit down and have these debates. Like, you think you're going to solve the border crisis with one headline? It's like, no, you have to, de- like, figure out, like, exactly what's going on. And people don't have time. People don't want to pay attention to that. People don't have time. People don't have the attention span. People don't have the, like the background knowledge, like to really, you'd have to have experts talk about it. And then to have somebody like a, somebody like me or you who has no concept of like border security to understand what's going on. Then they'd have to explain all the background stuff to us. But the problem is all these issues are so complex that that's what it requires. And then we're stuck in this thing where you're like, you know what? It'd be easier just to look at my phone. Yeah. And there's so many issues and I guess that's just a bit overwhelming because like, I guess I noticed that on a very, if we're keeping on the Kyrie, like, train, like, when I, I'm a big basketball fan, I know you are as well, and I would watch a game, and there's so much, like, flow and storyline to a game, right? There's there's highs, there's lows, there's runs, there's so many, so many elements to what makes a game a game, and then I would watch SportsCenter. SportsCenter used to have, like, a pretty substantial recap of what was going on, even the recap didn't really do a great job of what the game was. And those mm-hmm. recaps, I feel like it's shorter and shorter. And now I'll see, like, the highlight is, like, an eight-second highlight reel of the game. And maybe a player did some crazy moves. Maybe Kyrie did up and under, all this stuff. But then you watch, like, the game was terrible. He was letting people go by him. He wasn't playing defense. He was yelling at the coach, all these things. And you're like, no, he was a really bad player in this game. But the highlight of him crossing someone up, you're like, he's a great player. He should get MVP. And like, I feel like that's a perfect example of how everything is. And we're in this eight second TikTok. fine. Everything is digestible in such small increments that like the, anything beyond that is ridiculous to most people, especially if it's something they don't care a lot about. And even the stuff they care a lot about, they still only want to digest in small increments. Yeah. It's bonkers. Because there's so many things to go through in a day. It's like, okay, I got to catch up on all the NBA games. Okay, there's 10 games. Okay, now I got to go catch up on the NFL games. Okay, now I got to go catch up on the election results last night. Okay, now I got to go catch up on the 
whatever. And then I have my job and then my kid is crying and then I have to take the other kid to soccer practice and then I have to cook dinner and unload the dishes and pick up the mail and drop this thing off at the post office and then do this and then it is now 9 p.m. And it's like, it's people like, you want to talk about having like an informed populace like for voting. It's like, it's impossible. It's literally, it's impossible at this point because there's so many things like, do you, if you ask somebody to think like, you just name like five issues, political issues, be like, okay, abortion, border security, inflation, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Tell me your opinion on that. I think it's bad. I think it's good. I think it's bad. Why? Uh, and then we expect people to make good decisions. So I don't know. It's, it's the attention span is like similar to what I said to you about being for a year, being there for a year in New Zealand. It's like, that's discipline. It's like, I'm sometimes I don't want to listen to some stuff, but like there's sometimes there's important, important conversations that I also knowing the right places to look, but like there's an important conversation with, right. When COVID first happened, Rogan had um, a virologist on. And I was like, I need to listen to the whole thing because this dude's got a lot of things to say and they might not all be right, but I will, might have a better understanding of like what is actually going on. Cause at that point people were like wiping off grocery bags with Clorox wipes and like all this, like all these things. And I was like, this seems insane. Like we're all going to die. Okay. Let me listen 20 minutes in to a three hour conversation. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is horrible. All right. Pause, take a break, go back to it because then me having that sort of influx of like information, there's like a grounds to then explore the ideas off of instead of having just nothing. And you saw some headline that Trump said that people should swallow bleach. Yeah. Right. And like that's not helpful to anyone because you're like, that sounds ridiculous. But then you go listen to a conversation between two people and you're like, okay, I think I have an understanding a little bit. And then you go talk to somebody else who listened to it. And they're like, well, actually, I thought about if this guy said this thing, then maybe this is the thing. And you're like, oh, okay, interesting. And then you then you can then you have something to start building off of instead of everybody just going, CNN said this first, Fox said that. And but but that's where we are right now, which blows, but do you see any uh way to get out of that cycle? I think people have to look in the mirror, honestly, myself included. Um, Me yelling at you is not going to change your mind. You yelling at me is not going to change my mind, especially if I, especially if you and I don't have an understanding of the subject past the third line of the Spanish conversation, right? Like, Hola, como estás? Y tú? No! Like, like that's where it goes. And so you got to study on the thing, right? Like, I don't know. It's, and I think also people feel like they have to have an opinion on stuff, um, which is also not helpful. Like, it's not like when you're in school, you can't put I don't know on a test. So we all grow up saying we have to have an answer for everything. People are like, if you don't know, just guess. It's like, well, okay, well, let's not do that when you're 
hey, how does inflation work? Oh, I'll just guess and then make it policy and ruin the whole country. Like, like let's thought, let's not do that. Just say I don't know and have hire somebody else. Like, so yeah, I would say people like people have to look in the mirror. I think I don't know. Do you know? Um, do you know who Jordan Peterson is? Clean your room, right? That's what he would say. But it's like a metaphor for like get your shit together, basically, and. It's true. I don't know. You know, I mean, we knew each other coming out of college. Both of us coming out of college versus both of us now are two totally different people, right? I've got my shit together in a variety of ways. You think Jenna would have married me if I was still that person? Like, fuck no. There's no shot. Like, you went and traveled and you experienced all these things and you've put made an effort to, like, even though you enjoyed it, right? You did it for enjoyment, but it was also you had the wherewithal of understanding that you're the only person that's eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And that was a growing moment. Like you understand that these growing moments exist and like people got to do stuff along those lines. It's like, there's three things. It's like, are you working to make yourself better in a way that also helps your family and like very close family and immediate friends and then also the community around you. And when all three of those things come together, that's kind of where you want to be. And because like, you can't really help the dude across the planet, really. So yeah. it's like you, you got to impact like the local things. People are very concerned with like very broad, like, how are you going to help Ukraine? It's like, dude, if you want to help Ukraine, you can go over there. But yeah. yeah, you're not, you're not going to Ukraine. I'm not going to Ukraine. Help the people. Like if I'm the best that I can be, then that helps like the next person next to me. It's like the old analogy. How can I fill your cup if mine's not filled? type deal so like all of them all of those three have to be have to be true in a sense because there's no use filling your own cup to overflow it yeah you know because then it because then it creates a mess i've heard the uh the oxygen mask comparison that i've always liked and used is like when you're on a plane you can try helping as many other people as you can but if you have no oxygen you're going to pass out and you're not helping anyone but if you put yours on first, you can do your best and get everyone else saved along the way. Mm-hmm. So there is an element of, you know, you do need to work on your critical thinking, your communication, your ability to think inwards, and then try to expand outwards. Because mm-hmm. if everyone does that, then more people are going to be aware and be able to think, which means that you can get involved in small, you know, local uh, policies and that can work itself all the way up to the top and then Mm -hmm. the whole U S could get involved in Ukraine based off of, you know, an entire generation of people moving, but it has to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. I guess the problem is, is while I was away, it was so beautiful seeing what it could be like coming back here was like, I felt like I was drowning because then I'd go out and everyone's trying to record every single thing that happens. And like, there'd be nights I, like the there was a lake by where I grew up and we'd be on a boat and we'd have like a very, very relaxed night on like a pontoon boat that goes like two miles an hour maximum. Like it's one of those little tiny electric motors and we're cruising around and we're all just hanging out and like someone would bring out their phone and everyone's like pretending to be whatever and then, you know, having a great time and like the whole night super relaxed and I get messages from people like I'm so jealous of your night last night. It looked like it was a crazy time. And I'm like no, it was the opposite. We like slowly cruised around with just like relaxing music and just talked, you know. 
but mm. I think it's because people have this urge to always, always, always be liked, <laughs> to be putting on a show for the world. They get so addicted, and then the more addicted you are to the phone, the worse your attention span is. And I mean, I'm sure you've listened to the Joe Rogan podcast with um, what's his face, Elon Musk, but the whole uh, Android yeah. theory. Yeah. Like, how we're all like, becoming closer and closer to an android i mean we already are but we're going down the phases like i feel like i use my phone less than the average person in the peer group and i still when i leave the house um, where's my phone you know if i don't have my phone like i try my best to leave it when i'm going places sometimes i'll feel a phantom vibration in my pocket because i'm that obsessed with it right like everyone else is and that's what makes me like on one side, I hope that, you know, you're trying to, everyone's trying to fill each other's cups, but you know, if your buddy's cup is right next to you and you're keep putting it down because you're distracted, you yeah, know, that's, that's not helpful either. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah, I don't know. The cup one, I like the cup one because when it's overflowing and creates a mess for everybody else, you become too selfish. You create a mess for everybody else. Um, oh fuck. I was going to say something else. I forgot what it was. Oh yeah. The thing about needing to be liked by everybody. It's like, you don't even like everybody. Why are you trying to be liked by everybody else? You try, like, there's people that you really don't like. You want to be liked by them? Like, dude, just be you. It, but it comes, it comes into that, are you secure in who you are as a person? And the answer most of the time, everybody's got insecurities, but it's just uh, it's understanding what those are, understanding how to work on them, understanding that everybody's flawed and you've got to make, I don't know. It's just, it's a mindset thing, really. It's really it's really hard to explain. It's like it takes a lot of work, like a lot of looking in the mirror at the things that aren't like that you're not good at or that are things that are wrong with you and then working on fixing those things. And that's not that's like that's really not fun. Like it's, yeah. it's really not. You have to be like, yeah, I really suck at these four things and people don't like these seven things about me. And I need to like try really hard to do that. You, I mean, you know, from when, from the time I was a freshman in college, right? I went from uh, little fish in big pond to bigger fish in little pond, and I told everybody about it, and people didn't weren't happy with me, right? And I had to like look at myself in the mirror and be like, okay, I had some friends that told me that I was being this way. Okay, am I being this way? Let me reflect. Okay, yes, I'm being this way. Let me stop being this way. It took me a little while to stop doing it, but eventually I did, and that's the sort of like that was like that wasn't fun but i'm glad that one i had the friends to tell me that and two then it's like the second step of that is like okay let me actually change because sometimes that'll happen and people will be like ah they're wrong or like they'll go to their friends and be like so and so said this about me that's what i did i think i think uh somebody told me that i don't know it might have been you. I was like, is this true? And you're like, yeah, kind of. It's like, okay, well, let me let me fix it, right? But sometimes people go to their friends and be like, nah, that person's nuts. You don't do that. It's like, that's not good either. So so it's one, look in the mirror, and then two, like surround yourself with friends that are like, like we were talking about earlier, are actually going to 
be honest with you. I don't know. Those would be the things if, if we're going to get out of it. It's like Those are the things, but they're not easy. So it's worth it, though. It's 100% worth it once you come out the other side. I feel a lot better about just life in general. I feel more secure in who I am as a person. It's like a lot less stressful to be wondering, like, did this person not respond because they don't like me? It's like, no, that's fine. They could not like me. I don't care because I'm me. And that's a good thing that they didn't respond and that they don't like you. And you know that because, again, we talked, there's almost 8 billion people out there. <laughs> You're going to be so many people. Like, you might as well enjoy and, and improve upon the good things. And it's not like you don't... You, you need to disregard them. You know, there's going to be people in your circle that you can't avoid. You know, you go see your friend and they have a bunch of friends that are always around. Sometimes you're always around people that you don't like, but it's maybe not caring as much about what they're thinking versus what that friend thinks. Mm -hmm. And that's cool to hear that you've gotten to a similar place because that's something that took me way too long <laughs> with way too much stress and way too much, I guess, overthinking and kind of, I think there is knowing it and there is doing it. Those are two very different things. Yes. You have to do both. You have to yeah. do both for sure. All right. I think this is a great place to wrap this up. We've been talking for two hours. I've been putting the other guy on hold. <laughs> like, hey, Mike, sorry, bro. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's all good. Um, dude, this was an awesome conversation. I really appreciate your time. Glad we got to catch up. Um, it's been a while. Yeah. I'd be happy to, you know, on or off the air, catch up again. And thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate that. Of course. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.